from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Canes got that massive win. The soccer tournament is coming right here to our backyard. State legislators getting involved in high school sports now. All kinds of crazy stuff. We gave away $10,000. We also have a couple other things you want to hit in the daily check down. Let's hit it. Before we get into any of that stuff, Brian Murphy, we got Celtics getting a win over the Sixers last night. We also have Lakers-Warriors game two tonight. It's an off night for the Carolina Hurricanes, so it's a great day to watch some NBA. Only NBA game on the calendar. Steph Curry, LeBron James. I mean, this is... As good a series I think you can get in the second round of the NBA playoffs. If you're if you're like me, casual of casual NBA fans, like I still pay attention to it just in the world that we work in. You 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 pay attention and you see stuff, but this is a casual basketball fan, I'll tune in and watch something like this for sure because like you mentioned, it not only has the star power, but these are two really good teams and the NBA playoffs just seems as wide open as any. Yeah, and the uh the Warriors beat the Kings in game seven. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, the highest-rated playoff game for the NBA in, in a long time. Yeah. Um, this series, I would imagine, will do bonkers numbers. Oh, The yes. chance to see Steph and LeBron, two, both four-time NBA champions, going at it as as older guys. They're both older guys Still now. productive, though. Right. How many more times are we going to get to see Steph and LeBron? This this might be one of the last times. Uh, yeah, it might be the last time. And also, that that's a really good point. I didn't even think about this. This might be the last time we see these two teams with these two players going at it in the NBA playoffs. And probably the best two players of this generation. I mean, you, you can talk about Kevin Durant, but but what Steph's been able to do, yeah. uh, two-time MVP, four championships, uh, these are going to be the two most memorable players, I think, of this generation. And it's two guys that I would like to say that kind of changed the game, especially Steph Curry with his three-point shooting. He really changed the way the game has been played over the last 10 years. And if you don't want to have the conversation about whether LeBron's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I'm not here for that. He's had the greatest career of all time. To do it for 20 straight years, to be the all-time leading scorer, to play in eight straight finals. Um, Mm -hmm. We we don't have to talk about who the greatest is and who the best is. I think his career, put his career up against anybody's, probably the greatest. And, And I think Curry has changed the game. You know, in a way that we've never seen before. Just, I like to tell people in these kinds of debates that have those stuff, I'm like, you know what, just sit back and just enjoy the greatness. Exactly. Because it's not very often that we see generational talents at the same time. The yeah. same time. And, and this is game two. Lakers took game one behind Anthony Davis. We'll see if uh, the Warriors could even the series at home. When does Anthony Davis get hurt? Uh, I think the Warriors are counting on that. <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> counting on that. All right, let's next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. We gave away $10,000 earlier today, Brian Murphy. We gave away $10,000. By we, you don't mean me and you. Oh, I meant just 99.9. Okay, all right. Just, like, we gave away. No, I didn't I'd give have away to run, I'd have to run that by by the fam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to get paid out over uh, 10, <laughs> 10 years. Actually, more than that, more like 20 years I can pay out of that. Uh, you take installments on that. But earlier today, we had... For round two of the playoffs, our 10K playoff payout brought to you by Carolina Ford dealers, built for proud. We were at Invisalign Arena where the Carolina Hurricanes practice, and we were giving away a pair of tickets. One of our five contestants was going to get a pair of tickets to game two tomorrow, lower bowl seats, and so we gave those away as well. But everyone had one shot, a one-timer, 
to win up to $10,000. And Jacob was our winner. Congratulations to Jacob. I spoke to Jacob right after he scored to win. This is what he had to say. You just won $10,000. What is the first thing you're going to buy me? <laughs> um, man, I don't even, I'm just at a loss of words. So I don't even know. <laughs> I, did you think that you would actually make it? No, no, I hadn't. I thought it was gonna go wide left or wide right. I won't even. I was just like, here goes nothing, and it, it went in. I'm still, I'm still dumbfounded. I can't believe it happened. Okay, at what moment did you realize? Oh my gosh, this actually might have a chance. Maybe at the end, it started to curve a little bit back, and I was like, it might be going in. Awesome. So, well, congratulations! <laughs> you are ten thousand dollars to the plus, good sir. Yeah, I'll, and again, I'll take you, it. you may always take me out to dinner. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, Jacob, congratulations to him. But here's the thing, Brian. We also were like, you know what? We'll give everyone a second shot, not for 10000 but we might give away, for example, like an Amazon gift card or maybe some other stuff. Well, then we had another contestant, Rusty, nail it as well. And this is a shot from obviously into the goal, but from the far blue line. So over half the ice, over 115 feet away. And we had a second one hit this as well. I like to equate this of I hand you a golf club. Balls on a tee, you get zero practice swing, swings, 150 yards, go hit a hole in one. That's amazing. I want to ask you a question. All right. You got to give somebody $10,000 today. I mean, did, we, we gave them like the big check. Yeah. How yeah. did that make you feel? I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was pumped. I was super excited because me, I like when I loved seeing people that enter in these contests, our listeners, people that are, are faithful to 99.9 The Fan, to see fans and listeners get rewarded for, for listening. And it was really cool to be able to do that today to multiple listeners as well. All of our five of our contestants walked away with at least something today, but we all able to give away a lot of different stuff. So big shout out to Carolina Ford dealers for, for sponsoring this. And guess what? When the Canes move on to the Easter conference finals, we're doing it again. Okay. Shot at 10 grand playoff tickets. I did feel bad for Jacob. I did tell him, Hey, sorry. I didn't win the tickets. <laughs> But it, it, the best part, honestly, was is when we were leaving. I think it's, I believe it was his girlfriend, or maybe his wife. Um, the two of them, they took a picture on the ice together with the big check in front of the goal and everything, and they're just FaceTiming family, saying like, "Oh my gosh, we just won ten, what's just won ten grand?" Just how excited and everything they were. It was it was super cool. Even Nick, who won the tickets, was super pumped because he's like, "Hey, I just want a pair of playoff tickets into the lower bowl." It was super cool. All right, next up. One, two, three. So we just got done speaking a few minutes ago with uh, with John Bugar, the founder of the soccer tournament. He's also the founder of the basketball tournament. So it's the soccer tournament is a 32-team event taking place June 1 through June 4 at Wake Med Soccer Park. Million dollars, winner take all. Yes. Million dollars, winner take all, which is super cool. But I actually didn't know this, but you mentioned to me a moment ago. They We asked him about... Choosing Wake Med Soccer Parks. Hey, this is the best facility in the East Coast. Fits everything that we need, and the quality of the fields, the quality of the facility as a whole is fantastic. I didn't realize this, but U.S. Soccer might be looking to make Wake Med their headquarters. Yeah, there's talk that uh, U.S. Soccer is considered that, that Raleigh or this area, the Cary area, is yeah, a final angle yeah. for the headquarters for USA Soccer, and a, and a large part of that 
is because of the complex at, at Wake Med. It would obviously have to be expanded mm-hmm. um, to fit the needs of U.S. soccer. But, uh, yeah, wrote about this at WRL a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point. And I don't think they've made a final decision, but certainly Raleigh Carey is in is a finalist to, to get USA soccer. Well, USA baseball is already located right. in Carey, so it's not like this is an unprecedented thing. But the facility over there at Wake Med is top-notch. Yeah, and I can't I can't wait to I mean this obviously where the courage play. Um, mm-hmm. this seven on seven event is attracting teams from all over the country. We're talking about Italy, England, Wales, Germany, uh, a ton of American teams, a ton of former uh, US men's national team players. There's an entire team of US former US women's national team players coached by the great Mia Hamm. Um, this is gonna be a tremendous event and a tremendous showcase for Kerry. That that million dollar championship game is gonna be on TV somewhere. Um, uh, yeah, it is. John McGar said there's a TV deal in place, but he would not reveal it to us. But I'm sure we'll hear about that sometime in the very near future. Near future. But I also am wondering for a big event like this, we saw what the stadium series and the economic impact that the stadium series brought, the millions of dollars brought into not only into the city of Raleigh, but Wake County and just the state as a whole. I wonder what an event like this, financially the economic impact that it's going to have. And if this goes off really, well, really, really well, if we're going to see other people maybe try and do other events or similar type things. There's Wake Med does a lot of stuff already in terms of soccer park, in terms of hosting youth events and, and such, but we can maybe see more things like this coming in. Again, the economic impact is, is right now it's incalculable. Yeah, we'd love to see this be an annual event, no For, doubt. Absolutely. And and I will say, all of those taxes that get paid into Wake County, these these hospital hotel taxes, uh, the tax on prepared food and beverages, a sliver of that money goes to PNC Arena. Yeah. It also goes to other projects, the, the convention center downtown, and the possible uh, construction of a, of a facility in Cary. Um, so when we have events like this, the kickback does come to places like PNC Arena. And so Wake County is setting records month after month for collection from these hotel taxes, these prepared food and beverage taxes. And I think we're going to see the impact of that when it comes time to to build that arena and carry or when it comes time to renovate PNC Arena. So we're actually going to talk to Philip Isley tomorrow, the Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance, about PNC Arena, the proposed upgrades. We're actually going to get some some decisions on that tomorrow morning, correct? Yeah, Isley's the chairman of the Centennial Authority, which owns, yeah, Centennial Authority, and, owns yep. and runs uh, PNC Arena. Um, tomorrow there's a meeting to discuss it. It may be in closed session, but a meeting to discuss the lease negotiations with the Carolina Hurricanes. They signed a a lease extension, I believe it's through the 29 season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, PNC wants to get them, uh, Centennial Authority wants to get them locked into yeah. PNC Arena for a long time. And all these things go together, right? They want to do a massive renovation project out there at PNC. They do. Um, Dundon wants more parking, right? Like garages, Dundon wants things the, like that. They want to, so there's an enhancement project to the arena, and then mm-hmm. there's development around the arena, and then there's getting the, the Hurricanes to sign long term. All these pieces are kind of working together, and they're going to come to a head. This summer, I think, um, where we're going to probably get some some financial details on what the enhancement project will be, how much money PNC is going to get from Wake County and, and the city of Raleigh. A um, lot of movement on that, and we'll talk to Philip Isley tomorrow about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I know Tom Dundon wants to possibly have a sports book and things like that at PNC Arena. So this is, again, all part of it. And, again, this is the economic impact on the area. So there's, there's a lot to it. We're going to definitely talk to Philip Isley tomorrow from the Centennial Authority. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. State legislation back at it again. 
Oh, they're back at it in a, in a number in of, a different ways. In a number of ways. Um, so yesterday we talked about how the North Carolina High School Athletic Association passed on a third. I'm sorry, 15 to three vote, allowing high school athletes to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. And by capitalize, I mean profit off of it. General Assembly said, "Nah, <laughs> hold up, y'all can't make that choice. We'll make it." They never. They didn't necessarily say no. But they're basically taking the power away from the high school athletic association. Precisely, precisely. There's a big bill, uh, a, a big bill in the Senate that just passed that really strips the high school athletic association of many of its powers. Okay. And and late yesterday they added an amendment that would include NIL policy into one of those powers that the high school athletic association will no longer have. Uh, all that will be shipped over to the state board of education. They will have to make a lot of decisions on eligibility, on NIL policy, on on a whole host of things that right now the athletic association gets to decide. I think the important uh, there's many many important things in that bill, but one thing that has jumped out. They added another amendment. Okay. Last year, the high school athletic association signed a four year memorandum of understanding with the state board of education to be the governing body for high school athletics in the state. Okay. An amendment was added to this bill that would allow that memorandum of understanding to be ended within a six-month period. Oh, really? And so we'll so see... stripping th- even more power away from well, the high school the, athletics. They could say that the Athletic Association is no longer the governing body of, of North Carolina high school athletics, and some other organization will be. Huh. Um, no, no one's acted on that yet, but there is a clause in, in the new bill that would allow a six-month period to terminate that contract. And so... Lots of things happening with high school athletics. High school OT is covering it really, really well. Um, Nick Stevens, uh, my colleague over there. Um, yeah, check out highschoolot.com. They got full write-ups and stuff over there. Yeah, there's all kinds of all kinds of things happening. But this is part of a, a larger power grab by by the state by state lawmakers, and I think could have profound impacts. We don't know exactly the impacts, but but they will be big to high school athletics. And. There's 27 states in the U.S. that allow high school athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. North Carolina was about to be number 28 to be determined if they are number 28, but it's not like, once again, that they're one of the first ones to be doing it. Actually, they're technically in the minority of it now, but again, it's roughly 50-50 against only 27 to 23 in terms of number of states. Right, and the numbers, we're not talking about million-dollar deals. I mean, maybe maybe Bronny James... Who in California can take advantage of this? You've seen them in, in commercials for Fast and the Furious, yeah, ten or what, whatever number they're Fast on now, X, um, whatever. But but the high school athletic association said most of the deals are between sixty and one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, not not no no zeros on the back of that. No ten thousand dollars like we gave away today, sixty to one hundred twenty dollars. So either these kids are doing some social media posts, or maybe they're making an appearance at a camp for younger kids. This yeah. is yeah. For for the vast, vast majority of high school athletes, they will, A, never get an NIL deal, and B, if they do, it will be pocket change. Yeah. Um, we're talking about the top 1%, maybe 0.1% that's going to sign for, for life-changing money. Um, it will be interesting if this does get reversed by the State Board of Education, if they do take over this. Um, if eventually there's some kind of court case that says, no, you know, kids have the right to their name, image, and likeness. Every, everyone sure. does. Everyone has the name. Their, their, you know, if I was a in the band in high school and and my and I got a gig and was playing at a at a local establishment they could pay me but I would still be in the band I, I don't see why athletes would be that much of a different category next up Kane's got that big win game 1 they destroyed <laughs> the New Jersey Devils 5-1 in in game 1 of the Eastern Conference semifinals 
Adam Gold, Arcane's reporter and host of the Adam Gold Show, which you can listen to from noon to three right here on 99.9 The Fan, also host of the Canes Corner Podcast. He gives us two minutes of gold. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. I got two minutes for what we saw last night as the Hurricanes take a 1-0 lead in the series over the New Jersey Devils. We are all brought to you by Dysart Willis, defending people the right way, DysartWillis.com. And you know who defended the right way last night? Seth Bleeping Jarvis defended the right way. Hughes backhand pass out in front and an opportunity that can't be finished by Brat. Oh, he was all alone, side of the net. Seth Jarvis just saved a goal. Look, it was a 200 200- foot game for number 24 we think of him only as an offensive guy but lo and behold who's part of the penalty kill these days lo and behold who's playing physical throwing his 5 10 180 pound body maybe around like it's crazy he's a nut but he is a great player and a two-way player and actually here defense leads to offense carolina comes up with a turnover and Smith does score See Seth Jarvis coast to coast to nothing Carolina. It was Jarvis's defensive play on the wall. Then he got the puck back, chipped it past Ryan Graves. He was off to the races, and he beat Akira Schmidt. A little uh, glove side high just inside the right post, and it was 2-0 Carolina. He was dynamite last night. Far be it for me to figure out why he wasn't one of the three stars in the building. He was the best player in the game. You know who was right behind him? Sebastian Ajo, who did everything but score. That line with Stefan Nason was excellent. And before we get carried away, let's keep this in mind. It was just one game. And in this series against the Devils, it's going to be decided by which team gets to their four-checking game first. Carolina won the race. A dominant first period. The Devils kind of squeezed him in the middle of the second period, and that got the game somewhat questionable. But you know what turned it around? Carolina's penalty kill. They had to kill off a Devils power play with about four and a half minutes left in the second. And once they did that, they were back home. Carolina looked great last night. Seth Jarvis was the best player. Hey, and Freddie Anderson has had two really good performances in a row. Things are looking up. Now all you got to do is go and do it again and again and again. I got two minutes. That's two minutes thanks to our friends at Dysart Willis. High stakes litigation and defense. DysartWillis.com Check out the Canes Corner Podcast morning after edition wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. He, he featured Seth Jarvis a lot. Talk about, hey, he's a two-way player. He does a lot of great things defensively. One thing that Seth Jarvis has added to his repertoire this year, he kills penalties too. That just goes to show you, he not only does he obviously plays five on five, but he gets power play time, but he also kills penalties. Not many guys do that. I mean, Sebastian Ajo can do it, uh, does it. Tavo Teravainen does it. Well, obviously, he's not in there right now. Jordan Stahl has played on the power play, but known for penalty killing, obviously, is five-on-five play. But this is a guy that a lot of teams in the NHL wanted. Like, for example, Timo Meyer, who didn't play yesterday because he's recovering from a big hit that he took from Jacob Truba in Game 7 of their game uh, of their series against the New York Rangers. The word was that if you want Timo Meyer, we want Seth Jarvis in return. And the Canes were like, nah, too much. Well, too much. You know, he turned 21 in February. Yeah. He's a he's, young player. Right. He's developing into a two-way player here. Mm-hmm. Th- those aren't those aren't guys you just give away for, for no, a rental. 
Yeah, I'm assuming his salary is very low at the at this point. Oh, yeah, entry-level contract <laughs> is probably – it's less than $800,000. Right. So, I, I mean, he, these are the kind of guys you try to get. You know, you want guys like this on your team. It helps you in all kinds of ways. And I think we're seeing a, a star kind of being born before our eyes. Three goals in seven games so far um, on, on a team that needs more scoring. Mm-hmm. Without Svechnikov, without Pacioretty, um, without Taravainen. I mean, this team needs somebody to put the puck in the net. And if Seth Jarvis is going to be that guy at 21 years old, man, the Hurricanes do have a bright future. Jarvis is making just under $900,000 a year, and he's going to make the exact same next year, and then he's going to be a restricted free agent. So the Canes are going to have his rights, obviously, for multiple years. You can sign him to a long-term extension, possibly this upcoming offseason. But, that's some, again, it's a player you don't just give up. Right. You just don't give up because here's the thing that may, people may not remember about Seth Jarvis last year. He wasn't supposed to be in the NHL because he was under 20 years old. This is this is a weird thing with hockey, for those who don't know. If you're under the age of 20, you can't play in the American Hockey League. So if he didn't make the NHL team, he would have to have gone back to juniors. But he did so well in camp, did so well in just how he showed up in the offseason. It's like, you know what, we just sending this guy back to juniors would just be a waste of his time. Because it would actually it would actually hurt his development because he would just torch everybody. He's like, hey, I'm just better than everyone else. But he couldn't play in the American League. He couldn't play in Chicago with the Wolves. So he ended up sticking around with the with the Canes last season. Obviously got a lot of playing time. Had a little bit of a rush stretch, which you can expect for a 19 turning 20-year-old rookie. But played well in the playoffs. In seven playoff games, he has three goals for a really young player. But he also shows that he's willing to do the dirty work as well. He's not afraid to throw his body around, and he makes plays on defense as well. So, yeah, this year was actually supposed to be his true rookie season, but just go to show how good he is. And, and he played all 82 games. which Yes, you know, durability right, is a that, big thing. You know, availability is the best ability, right? Obviously, we didn't see that with, with Svechnikov with his knee injury. Ajo missed seven games during the regular season. He missed a big stretch of time. But yeah, for a young player, that level of durability, Tara Vinden missed a, a boatload of games, not just this postseason, but during the regular season, too. Yeah, I think Stahl may have missed one game. I think that was for a personal reason. But nevertheless, yeah, 82 games, durability is a big thing. And uh, big props to Seth Jarvis last night. You know also was good last night? Adam mentioned it. Ajo. Like, p- playoff Ajo is just... <laughs> He's just continuing to develop and grow, and he's still, what, 24? 24 years old. I'm sorry, he's 25 years old. Like, he is coming into his peak years, coming into his peak years. That guy, from where he was six, seven years ago, just as a young rookie, as a second-round draft pick from when he going from playing the wing to center, his tenacity as in the middle of the ice – Rob Brindamore isn't afraid to put Kokaniemi defensively matched up against Nico Keisher or Jack Hughes or Dawson Mercer. Those are the three big centers for the for the New Jersey Devils. Nico Heischer, former number one overall pick. Uh, Jack Hughes, former number one overall pick. Overall, not first round pick, number one overall. They have those two guys, but Ajo, Stahl, Kokaniemi defensively can match up against any of those guys. What's amazing is the, the Hurricanes have been in the playoffs five years in a row. Yep. You know, normally, because the NHL is a, a salary cap league, mm-hmm. you know, 
five years is a long time to have a playoff team and be able to keep it together and and parts start to break down and and eventually you got to rebuild like we've seen with the Devils right great yeah. run now they they've got all these number one picks because they were picking really high in the draft they were terrible for a long time yeah they're terrible they're back I think during that stretch where the Canes missed in ten straight years I think the Devils only went one time and, and now the, the Hurricanes feel like. With you talk about these young players like Jarvis, like Ajo, feels like they're building something that's sustainable for a, for a longer period of time. Yeah, they've won. They've gone to the playoffs five years in a row. Uh, there was that long stretch where they didn't go to the playoffs, but it does feel like Don Waddell and and the the personnel people have built a team that is capable of sustaining this for a while. And it's a combination of players that they drafted in their organization, but also supplementing right with the with the key pieces. For example, like a guy like Paul Stastny for one year Derek Stepan been here for the last couple of years but they drafted again guys that were drafted in the organization for example Slavin Pesci Ajo Svechnikov uh, Jarvis that you mentioned Jack Drury there's a lot of these guys that were drafted within the team and they supplemented how the roster uh, has been built together Martin Natchez drafted by the team as well and, and given the way the playoffs are you know sort of a crapshoot sort of a, a oh free it's 50-50 you want to put yourself in position year after year after year. In one year, all the breaks are going to go your way. Maybe this is that year. The Bruins are out. The, the Lightning's out. The Rangers, Rangers are out. all out. The Avalanche is out on the other side. Maybe this is the year that, that you give yourself enough chances, and maybe it all comes together one year for you. I'm hoping for it. I want to see it. Let's make it happen. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Brian Murphy, the legend of Akira Schmid. Okay? The legend that we heard of. We talked to Jamie Hirsch of the NHL Network yesterday. It's kind of something like because this is a rookie goaltender, kind of came out of nowhere. No one really knew who he was. Maybe like a Cam Ward. 06. He was phenomenal in the Rangers series and the five starts he had, but Carolina jumped all over him. Early in the second period, Schmidt was in the corner, literally, because that's where you sit as a backup goalie at PNC Arena. You're off the ice in the corner, not even on the bench. They chased him. Yeah, you know, a, a shutout. I think he was the fourth rookie to have a shutout in Game 7 Yeah, in, in NHL history. That's good. You know, you do it in New York. You do it against the Rangers. That's going to get you all kinds of attention. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that attention went to his head. I don't. I doubt it did. I, you know, I doubt he even had time to to care about that. But that's though. New York can build you up really, really fast. Yeah. And you you shut out the Rangers in Game Seven. New York is going to build you up. Going to turn you into a legend, probably before it's deserved. Sure. And we say New York because Newark, where the Devils play, is basically the distance of Duke to Carolina in terms of. Where newer in Newark, where the Devils played in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, legit, it's the New York like, it's legit like 11 miles. Right. It's the New York media market. They're getting the back page of the New York Post uh, and, and the Daily News from time to time. I mean, the, the Devils are a distant probably three. They're, they're definitely behind the Rangers. And then, you know, the Islanders out on the island. This I grew up on Long Island. So I'm, you know, really familiar with, with sort of the, the how this 
place that place works. The Devils are at number three, but if they're the only ones alive, they're getting a ton of attention. And importantly, he did it against the Rangers. Yeah. If he'd done it against the Blue Jackets or or the Panthers, sure. probably wouldn't have gotten the attention. To do it against the Rangers just boosted that that performance. Especially the position that he came in. Hey, your first postseason start. By the way, you're down 2 nothing in the series, <laughs> and you have to go on the road to Madison Square Garden for game three. And he, he performed well. He was 4-1 in that series against the Rangers, had a goals against of 1-3-8, and stopped 95.1% of the shots that he faced. He was fantastic. Now – Lindy Ruff, the coach of the New Jersey Devils, yesterday was asked about Schmidt's performance. And if you had a chance to talk to him yesterday uh, after the game about, hey, it's all good, man. Because Lindy Ruff did say, hey, look, it was not all on him. There are a lot of guys in the lineup yesterday that, that he could have taken out. But unfortunately, you just you can't bench everybody and replace them in the middle of the game. Goal is the only spot that you can do that. Well, I had a follow-up question for Lindy Ruff, but here's the full exchange with Lindy Ruff about Akira Schmidt. Lindy, uh, did you get a chance to, to talk to Akira after the game? And kind of what was said there? He seemed a bit disappointed with the locker room. No. The answer is no. Uh, I gave him a uh, fist pump to the blocker when I walked by him just to let him know that it had nothing to do with him. Do you go back to Schmidt game too? <laughs> <laughs> That's a question for tomorrow. Okay. All right. He didn't answer it, but that's fine. He chuckled at me there. It's like, wow, you actually had the cojones to ask <laughs> this question. We have Walt Ruff. Uh, we spoke to him earlier, and he said, the fact that you actually had the stones to ask that question after a game, like, well, it's a, it's a legit question. You pulled your goalie, your starting goalie in the game. Okay, are you going to go back to him game two? Because that's not always the case. Sometimes you might have to go with your, in this case, Vanacek, who started the, the playoffs for the Devils, became the backup, maybe you have to go with him. I don't know. Fair, legit question. I'm just curious to see who the Canes are going to be facing in game number two. That's all. No, totally legit question. According to the old Google machine here, Lindy Ruff has not actually answered that question today. Well, he said, see, ask there me tomorrow, is. which is today. No answer as of yet. You know, I mean, come on. These, these, you know how hockey coaches are. They're not giving away anything. Oh, well, very much so. And here's the thing. Rob Brindamore. Same case. This right. is exactly the same thing. Like, well, how can I, I wouldn't say anything? Really, won't yeah. say anything. Well, Rob Brindamore didn't let us know that Freddie Anderson was starting until we saw the players walk on the ice. I mean, a guy's arm can fall off, and they'll be like, "I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe he can, <laughs> maybe he can go tomorrow. Uh, upper body injury. Yeah, exactly. They'll say upper body injury. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his his arm. It's not there. We'll go with upper body right, injury, right, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the way things work in the NHL. But I look. I, I, I don't I, expect we'll have an answer to who's going to be in goal for the Devils until uh, 7.55 tomorrow. Seven, seven, when, when's the lineups do? 7.30? Uh, yeah, well, basically when you walk on the ice, when you step on the ice. I don't know if the Devils are going to have a morning skate. The Carolina Hurricanes did not practice today. It wouldn't surprise me if they did have a light morning skate tomorrow morning um, just because of the – the fact that they did have four days off between their series clinching win and uh, game one between the Islanders and then facing the Devils. I don't know. To be determined on that. Speaking of head coach Rob Brennamore, he did give his evaluation on Freddie Anderson. Now, we might see at some point Auntie Ranta, but Rob Brennamore did give us assessment on maybe just a second here. We'll get to Rob Brennamore. But Rod did give his assessment in terms of Freddie Anderson. We talked to Walt Ruff. He said at some point we might see Auntie Ranta, 
in this series to be determined, but I'm guessing Freddie Anderson's going to start game two. Yeah, I think he'll start game two, and then I think your decision comes, and we've talked about this, in game three. A quick turnaround uh, before a day game in New Jersey for game three on Sunday. Here's Rod on Freddie. Like I said, we've got a couple guys we can go with, obviously. They're both playing well, and, and you know, Freddie had a great game to close out the last series, and, you know, again, talking to Paul, it felt like we can go either way, and but let's keep riding him for at least the start and see how he feels after the game, you know, but he is obviously... Didn't have to be too good early, but then made some big saves as the game moved on. And, you know, kept, you know, just he did what he had to do. Did what he had to do, and that's all you can ask a goalie to do. 